0: going on today everybody um back quickly this time last time i think i took a couple week hiatus where i was uh back on here doing another show so trying to get more consistent um trying to bring you more content that is relevant and that is uh you know relatable and that is happening not just here but across the country so that so so that's relevant you know what we're talking about even, even in regards to kentucky here Today it is uh, July twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. Um, I guess I probably just started out. Um, y'all, thank you for coming back to way too much JRMC. Um, y'all, y'all can find me on my YouTube channel. You can find me on obviously I'm on Facebook here, Twitter, um, Rumble. You can find me on all any of your any of your favorite audio platforms, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google, like all, all all that stuff. So if you like the show want to want to get more of it want other people to find out about it share you know share a link to it you know leave leave me a comment she, you know do do something to make it get into that algorithm i don't know how any of it works but just try try something i guess um so yeah so uh i normally like to try to take a couple of days before i do a show anytime something is something happens or i read something or whatever i like to let it sink in a little bit make sure i'm not um jumping conclusions make sure i'm seeing every angle, you know, I've always prided myself on being a researcher, being a, you know, someone who enjoys history, and digging into things, and trying to prove myself wrong, you know, all that stuff, Um, a lot of stuff we're going to talk about today, many things, several things happened today, actually, um, but it's not stuff that I've just started thinking about, Um, and so... You know, that's one thing I want to make clear to everyone is don't think just because this stuff happened, you know, within the last few hours that I'm hopping on the interwebs here and just spouting off at the mouth without really having having thought my opinions through and my uh, perspectives through and my you know all that stuff. Um, and so that's one thing I think we all need to be hesitant about and make sure we're all we're all doing um, is uh, you know thinking about these things, praying about them. Meditating on them, you know, whatever it is you do, um, and you're coming at it from a good, from a good place and a positive place, and a uh, folk a focus of you know being a solution for the for our cultural issues, um, so, you know, so society's issues, and trying to make the next generation better. So, but with all that said, let's jump into some things today. I'll, I'll start off by saying, um, here in Jefferson County, Kentucky, and again, this is, I'm talking about Jefferson County, Kentucky, but this stuff is relevant everywhere. For lo- anybody listening somewhere else or that is new to the show or whatever, if it's happening here, it can happen anywhere. This is Kentuck. All right, so this is the gateway to the West. This is This is where, this is where, like, This is the heartbeat of this country, as far as I'm concerned. I got Tuggy tatted on my back, baby. I think this is this is the best state in the union. Um, We got great people, we got great culture, we got great um, food. We got, you know, we got we got a lot of things. You know, beautiful beautiful mountains, um, all that good stuff. So just because you don't live here doesn't mean this isn't relevant. Um, But today, uh, Jefferson County School Board had a uh, hearing on some obscene. Materials and whether they're going to be left in school libraries and all that. I got a lot of. I have a lot of thoughts regarding regarding that and uh, just the way that the our side of the, our side of the arguments perspective is being portrayed and how I think it plays into the bigger <clears throat> bigger picture and how they're getting it all wrong and how it can relate to some other things. So that you know, that happened, but before that. I'm just going to preface the whole uh, this entire discussion with this, that we are d- maybe and maybe this has always been going on, but we're dealing with a serious. I mean, it's a, a crisis of proje- we'll, we'll call it projectionism, I guess. People, people projecting things onto others that maybe I don't know if they actually feel that way or if, um, they just. Aren't willing to see, you know, the other side of the story well enough to where they can't, you know, pro- just project over what they think that person has going on. I, but I do think a lot of times it's projectionism of them projecting what they what they may feel in their heart hearts onto other people that do not feel that way. And so again, I only represent my opinions. <coughs> you know, I'm only uh, I'm not here to speak for anyone else. I'm involved with several parental advocacy groups here in. Um, Louisville, Kentucky, but also across the state. I've ran none of this stuff by them before. None of them are signing off on what anything I'm about to say. This is this is John Ross Marcus Cox. I'm giving you way too much of it. Okay. Um so let's start here. Let's go and let's go hit this uh article we we talked we touched on last time. It's the wrong screen. Let me pull this stuff over here. Sorry about that. There we go. So if you all remember last time we talked about this, uh, we talked about an article that was in the Wall Street Journal about how there was this huge swing politically on who the electorate is trusting with educational issues. So at this point, right now, Republicans are trusted by the electorate on educational issues more than more than Democrats. And this may be the first time this has ever. That this has ever been true. Like I'm almost positive that that it is. I mean, like the Democratic Party has had a has had a stronghold on the education system for as long as I can remember. You know, my mom was my mom's always telling me about how she had never voted, she'd never voted Republican her whole life, never even considered it. And if certain if certain people in my family knew that she was considering it, then she would um. They'd been rolling over in their grave, you know. Um, and so. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty funny, but you know, that, that we are we are where we are. Um, but the main thing I also want to talk about was in this this survey was done by the American Federation of Teachers. Randy Weingartner is their is their president. She loathes every probably everything that I stand for. She's repeatedly blamed Republicans for politicizing, politicizing classrooms, but in her own survey. Respondents were likelier to say Democrats are more responsible for politicizing education and making education too much a part of the culture war than Republicans, 33% to 28%. More were also dissatisfied, were more dissatisfied than satisfied with the amount of say that parents have in what their children are taught. Voters were also substantially likelier to have a great deal or a fair amount of confidence in parent organizations and teachers than teachers unions. Okay, and that's what I'm about to get at. That's what we're about to get into today. Okay, so that's what you can expect uh, to see here. I got, I'm showing you something you don't well, that you don't want to see over there. My I, my apologies. Let's see what we got. I'm still learn. I'm still figuring all this stuff out, peeps. I, my, I, I apologize. So give me one second here to get my screen set up for you. There we go. That's a little bit better. There. All right. Okay. So now we're going to jump over to a to an article that was published by Chalkboard Review. If you're not um, a member there, you don't or you don't follow their site and all that good stuff. I would definitely recommend that you do so. They, they're always publishing some good some good stuff over there. Um. This one right here was published on July twentieth. Ports was. They basically went in and they have. Uh, they interviewed 615 Midwestern teachers to reveal why they're really leaving the classroom. Anyone here in Jefferson County, or anywhere, or even in Kentucky in general, knows that we are facing a humongous, huge gap in in teachers and in bus drivers and in you know pretty much anything I have to do with education. We're struggling to get people. Okay, and. You say so you have the teachers' unions that want they are acting like we're the problem, okay? That it's teacher—or I'm sorry—that it's parents being too demanding, politicizing this. That it's Republicans politicizing education, all that. The voters right here are telling us that. In that previous article, they don't think that is true, okay? So, I started reading this, um, and the article starts out, page one, says so countless it says countless education advocates have spent the last few months warning of the approaching teacher shortage. Voices from the left have warned of every reason from low teacher pay to COVID-19 policy to parents at school board meetings, while closer colleagues of mine in the center and on the right have su- have suggested a behavioral crisis. The author said he set out to confirm a regional understanding of why so many teachers have announced their departure from Midwestern classrooms this year, either abandoning the field altogether or switching school districts. So just to go and preface you what the argument I'm about to make throughout this Live stream through this episode. I'm going to make the argument that it's actually not Republicans, it's not parents, it's not conservatives that are causing this stuff. It's pro- it's the progressive left. It's the it's the pro- it's the terrible progressive politics that are alienating parents, alienating teachers, harming students in ways that we probably cannot even fathom because we've never we have never. Imposed this type of stuff onto children's into children's brains at this widespread of uh, of a rate before it's never been culturally accepted. And so I'm going to make that argument that it's actually that's actually the people that are blaming everyone else. It's the per, it's the person pointing the fingers. Surprise, surprise, that's actually the problem here. Okay. So they, they only surveyed K through twelve teachers. There were six hundred and eighty-two total responses, but only six hundred fifteen qualified to participate. Sixty-seven of the responses that answered one of the questions, "What is the what is the staff email assigned to you by the district you currently slash previously worked in?" They didn't have any, They didn't have a verifiable email, so they tried to verify that it was that it was all like teachers, active teachers, or people that just left the profession the last year it was people in the middle you know, in across the Midwest was Iowa, Missouri, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. So there's no Kentucky people in here, but we got Indiana, we got Illinois, we got Michigan, we got Ohio. So we got people with the, you know, we got States with a large, you know, it's, it's called an Appalachian, uh, footprint, you know, in these, uh, Detroit motor city and it's the state of Ohio, Indiana, anywhere where there's production plants. You've got a lot of people from Kentucky that have migrated to those states for work and, all that good stuff. Um, here are the questions they were asked. Given the reasons below, what's the largest reason you're leaving your position? You got everything from salary, student behavior, progressive political activity, and it gives examples, diversity, equity, inclusion, critical race theory, gender identity, yada, yada. Parental concerns with your classroom, COVID-19 policy, safety concerns about school shootings, lack of materials to teach, standardized tests, licensure expiration, and then other, okay? Second question: If salary were considered an ancillary reason, so, i.e., I'm not being paid enough, I think you didn't really see it. I'm not getting paid enough to deal with blank. What would you suggest is the largest reason you're leaving your classroom? Okay, he gave he gave examples like student behavior, poor progressive political activity, parental concerns, COVID nineteen, kind of the same old stuff. Number three: If the present administration could provide evidence that this specific problem is being dealt with satisfactorily, would you return to this classroom? Yes, this year, yes, after a year or more, and proof, no, not sure. And number four, were you a member of a local or national teachers' union at some point during the previous academic year? That number four is very important because I want to know, like, if if the answer to these questions backs up my assumption, were they in teachers' unions, first of all, and it's not just because, like, I think if you're – I'm not someone who thinks just because you're in a teachers' union that you're liberal. Because most teachers, you know, I had this conversation with my mother and others, you feel obligated to to like be part, be a part of the union. So um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are liberal, but it does mean if you signed up, you've been bombarded with the propaganda and the literature and the constant like the constant progressive politics that I'm saying are, are the problem here. It, it it absolutely will mean that. Um. So, first thing here, you know, where, where we're gonna start at the bottom right here, you'll see it. So, of the respondents with salary as an included primary reason, so salary's primary reason, three to nineteen of the 615 respondents listed student behavior as their biggest reason to leave the classroom, followed by one hundred thirty eight for progressive po- political activity and one hundred thirty four for salary is my primary and my ancillary reason. So, fifty-one percent of people said they are not paid enough to deal with terrible students. Twenty-two percent are not getting paid enough to, to deal with progressive politics, and twenty-two percent said not getting paid enough to deal with the low pay. I don't see anything in there. So that's what C two seventy-two. I feel like it's a. I feel like it's over a hundred percent, but that's what it said. Um. It doesn't leave a whole lot. Of, put it like this: It doesn't leave a whole lot of room for parents are terrible people and are being too aggressive and are being too demanding. Doesn't leave a whole whole lot of room for that. It does support what everyone else is saying that students are running amuck, and sometimes not not to not at their not it's not their own fault. A lot of times it's either it's the parents, absolutely. That aren't that aren't holding them accountable and and uh, you know giving giving them consequences and giving them a routine and giving them stability you know all that but it's also occurring it's happening in schools where they aren't they also aren't doing that so in Jefferson County this past year we had 23 gun related or gun confiscations in our schools talked about that in a previous episode we also had over 15,000 fighting referrals in our schools the majority of which occurred in elementary schools. And then of our high schools, the the high school with the most incidences of fighting was one of our traditional schools here that's supposedly one of our probably top five high schools in our city, which is the top 20 district in the United States of America. So it isn't just in what people would quote-unquote call a rough area of town, all right? It's not just... In, the, in, in those areas, it's it's happening. It's going on everywhere, all right? And then, the again, the progressive politics. And we're going to get into that much more here in a second. I'm just going to leave that one alone until we get to the end of it. And then the low pay. And from my, from my experience, when it comes to the pay here, first of all, teachers are, it's one of those professions where I don't know that there is an adequate number. You know, like they are. It is probably the most one of the most important professions on the planet. You know, like right up there with our police officers that are keeping us safe and, um, you know, keeping justice on the streets, make sure we're not getting shot at and mugged and you know all that stuff, uh, all the time. But it's also one of those professions that is taxpayer financed, and so, you know, at there's always going to be a you know a fine line there on. You know, every dollar that we're taking to give to teachers is a dollar we're taking out of the pocket of one of their, one of the people in their community. Not rightfully so; they're educating people in their community. But I'm just saying, it's not the same as how much is Amazon paying, or how much is Pfizer paying, or how much is Ford paying. It's not the same. Those those companies produce a good that produces income for the business, profit for the business, and then a board makes a decision on how much each you know each position is worth from a financial standpoint based on those profits, based on that production. You know, like we're talking about a lot of you know, we're talking about a lot of uh, things that are unquantifiable in the education system. So again, I'm not arguing that teachers could you know that there is a, a, a high enough number, but comparatively speaking, here's what I'm gonna say. Most the most of the arguments I hear, most of the people I hear really like at the dinner table talking about low pay, is only coming from the largest places in a, in any given state. Like where I come from in southeastern Kentucky, everybody knows being a teacher is one of the best jobs you can have in in the county. All right, if you can't work in if you if you ain't like if you ain't a teacher, next thing you're trying you want to work in the coal mines or at least you did before. Or you're trying to work for the state. It's about it's about all you got, but like. If you're a teacher of a, of a mother and father or two spouses or teachers, they're probably in the top five percentile of the income earners in my area. If I had to, if I had to guess, I also know even up here, people leave surrounding counties. For you know, for instance, we'll talk about these two counties today, Oldham County, which is one of the we'll call it the one of the nicest counties in the state, if not the nicest. People leave that public school system all the time to go to Jefferson County to teach because it's so much more money. Now, is that do they end up regretting it? Maybe. But like I know people that have done it and they currently don't regret it. So take that for what for what it is, you know. But I also think that most of the teachers once I once I've talked to them, they look at the teaching profession as a as a sacrificial profession and they actually take pride in that. They know they're not going to get what they're quote unquote worth for doing it they're like it's their calling it's what they see as their why God put them on the planet was to you know be good stewards for the next generation and instill you know American values and or just values in general for whatever their local culture is there like that's that's why they do it I don't think people go into the profession I think they go in knowing they're not going to make a ton of money and they're okay with that, and, but then they get, the they get into the system, and the union's sitting there screaming at them, telling them, you, "You're undervalued. You're undervalued. You're, you're a hero. You're undervalued. You're undervalued," and it eats at you. That's so that's that. You know, that's one thing. But I want everyone know, like I don't think teach. I think teachers are part of the solution, and we need to, with with teachers, and parents, we need to take this thing back over and and get the get these people out that are that are. Uh, in the system. All right, so mo- moving on. You can see some charts here. So, here's the next one. This is a big one. When pay is listed as an ancillary reason in contribution to another factor, the numbers shift dramatically. 447 of 16 responders listed unchecked student behavior as their primary reason for leaving the classroom. 128 listed progressive political activity, while only 9... I'll say nine for my people for my enunciating people listening and I'm going to say nine nine for my people back in my hometown nine listed parental harassment as the reason that they left the profession that's 1.5% of respondents said that so that it was because of parents so this ain't it's ain't a parental problem it's a it's a behavior problem and the behavior problem is also a progressive po- political problem. And, and we will go into this in another episode. In Jefferson County, we practice something called restorative justice here. And I'm gonna—I'm probably gonna butcher this up a little bit, but I'm gonna try to talk about it a little bit here. Basically, we limit how many times people can be written up. Students can be written up. Like, what can be expected of them? Um, they can be suspended if they can be putting attention, whatever like many times it leads it, it it ends in kids uh being very disruptive, getting sent to the principal thirty minutes later, coming back to the coming back to the same classroom, looking at the same teacher and being like, Yeah, what's up? I'm back. Do something about it. That's what it that's what it's leading to. All right. So furthermore, going moving on. Three hundred and fifty six of the six hundred and fifteen teachers reported that they were a member of a teachers union this previous year. This is, it's not just union teachers that are reporting these issues. I'm sorry, it's not just non-union teachers that are reporting these issues. 58% of respondents of this survey were members of the teachers' union the previous school year. So they were seeing the propaganda. They were being told that parents hate you. They were being told that parents think that you are groomers and that parents think that you are whatever. Whatever insert whatever bigot whatever whatever terrible term you want to label you'd, wanna, you'd want to you want you think parents are, are sending the parents at teachers they they were hearing that almost 6 out of 10 still said that they were leaving the classroom because of student behavior in progressive politics so this isn't even this 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 isn't even A secondary or tertiary issue. Beyond incredible that Randy Weingarten of the American Federation of Teachers, scroll on down so you can see this. this It's the first paragraph. The American Federation of Teachers and Becky Pringle of the NEA would cite Republicans and parents' politicization of the classroom as the reason for teacher shortage. It's not even a secondary tertiary issue. It's forty-nine times less important to teachers. Than the behavioral crisis. I mean, like that's just that's just crazy. That's just crazy to me. Okay, parent. The last episode, I I, I labeled our parents the, our parents the problem. Teachers don't think so. So I like, I'm going to implore my teacher friends, the pe- the teachers I know are listening, and I know there are some of them. I want you on my team maybe there are some bad apples out there that are like thinking you're terrible people but we like we need to know who you are okay and we know you're i know i know i personally know that you're in a predicament and and i i don't need to be able to blast your name all over social media or all over my podcast or anything like that but i do need to like it is reassuring to know that you that you hear what what you know what i'm saying what we're saying Okay. Author goes on to say I was surprised to see that only twenty-one percent, and this is big, this is huge for me. I only twenty one percent of responders answered yes to returning to the classroom of the district if their complaints were reported to have been dealt with. Let me tell you what that tells me? These they're done. Whatever it is that's running these teachers, these teachers off, they're done. They're they're out. They ain't riding they ain't riding with it no more. They are not going back into the classroom. So, great job, A. Great job, Randy Weingarten. Great job, Andy Bashir. Great job, all the all you know, Gavin Newsom. All of them. All the all the all the left wing all the left wingers that are acting like that are I don't say acting like that are pitting the community members against one another. Whenever that is not what is occurring. What's occurring is little by little, article by article, issue by issue, press release by press release, the progressive left is poisoning the well of our education system, which is our which is our teachers. That's what's happening. You can't you can't convince me otherwise. So he goes on to talk about, and that's the last thing I'll talk about on this point, And then we'll go on to the go into the obscenity stuff because I only got thirty more minutes, and I'm sure all y'all are happy to hear that. Um, so this the this article's author, he they had uh, performed a previous survey. Okay, he says in this. In the first survey, I concluded that it's reasonable, at the very least, to cast extreme doubt on union and education advocacy organizations claiming that pay and parental harassment are the primary issues for teachers leaving. When, on that first survey, when salary is listed as a contributing factor, 93.35% of Midwestern teachers claim that their resignation is due to student behavior and progressive political activity required in their classrooms. Because honestly, I'd assume that teacher licensure and professional developments would be a greater share of the responses. of Midwestern teachers claim that their resignation is due to student behavior and progressive political activity. And again, you can go read this article. I'll post it in the show notes, all that stuff. He goes on to talk about, gives self criticisms um, of things that he didn't, uh, that he wishes he would have done differently. He wishes he would have left an other option where a teacher could put in another reason for their resignation. Um, but he did. very he, they. I keep saying he it might have been. a might have been female. They they did do everything they could try to do to try to to try to make sure that they they were getting good. Let's say or like you know qual- people that met the qualifications necessary in order to, in order to participate in a survey like this. They were actually teachers. Actually, people that were in the classrooms in the last year, so they were experiencing all kinds of all this stuff, all of that. Um, So I'm I'm hitting on that because I I just want to make sure that I don't get too deep into this thing where all I'm talking about is problems in our schools, and because the left does a great job on telling telling teachers that what we and I are really saying is we don't like teachers, and that's not what I'm saying. My mom was a teacher. I respect teachers. I wanted to be a teacher when I first went to college. My degree is in history. I love, I love teaching. I love kids. That's why I coach. Um, you know, like so. I think these are issues that teachers. If we'll sit down at the, you know, across the table from them, and exp- and actually get down into this stuff and how it plays out in the real world, how I, how just because a policy's put in place. It may not play out that way, okay? Like we talk about these things. We can find common ground, and teachers will know that they're not the enemy. In the same way I've been talking with my buddy Pink on the shows we're doing, how I think of conservatives, not Republicans, but conservatives in the African-American community would get together and really dig into some, dig into these issues with one another. We could create voting blocks that would be unbeatable. Our culture is not what you see on MSNBC or even Fox News. More so, by Fox News, but not NBC, not MSNBC, not CNN. Okay, none of the, none of those traditional media sources are acting in good faith any longer. They have ulterior motives. So we have to. We're going to create an, an ecosystem where we can. Support one another and uh, talk about this stuff and really hash out issues. So, all right. So moving on, but we'll, I'm gonna, I'll relate. I'm going to relate what I'm about to talk to you with that as well. This morning, at 10 a.m. I, I attended a hearing in at the Van Hoose Educational Building here in Jefferson County regarding a the removal of obscene materials from you know many. School libraries here in JCPs. The amount of time it has taken for a good friend of mine, Brandon Stovall, to get to this point is laughable and ridiculous. We're talking months and months and months have passed, where if this board declares these things are obscene, they need to be removed, they will have left them in the classroom, in the libraries for six months. when she originally went to challenge them, she read them at a school board meeting. One of our school board members that did not not realize these books were in JCPS libraries scolded her and told her to stop reading because the material was obscene and was not appropriate for a school board meeting full of adults, mind you. No children in the room. And then it came out right after that that these this stuff was actually in JCPS library JCPS libraries and the pastor that said that is a is a the schoolroom that said that is a pastor Baptist pastor for sure an African American uh, Baptist pastor we've already established the black community is 10 points in favor in favor of Republican educational policies again like we can anecdotally find it and say, Well, I know these people don't and these don't. We're talking about large sample sizes and we're talking about surveys performed by people that did not want that to come back. They did not want that answer. They did not want to have to tell their members that black people agree with Republicans when it comes to educational issues. The only reason they could possibly want to tell them that is if they're trying to like fundraise off of it and use scare tactics and you know, but I have to I have to admit that's not outlandish that you know, maybe they steered them to it, but I just think it's funny that I, I ha, that was one of my hypotheses, and then I see something that comes from a left wing organization backing it up. It just you know makes me think I'm like you know Nostradamus or something over here. So the books in question here, and there are many. Are books that I'm not even going to read titles and stuff because I don't know what YouTube's policy is. I don't know what Facebook's policy, all that stuff is. So I'm not even going to use the words. I'm not going to show pictures. I'm going to I'm going to expect you as an individual to act, actually visit the site, the sites, the websites I give you to look up the books that we're going to, that I'm talking about. Like, I don't I don't want you to take what I'm saying as gospel. Everybody, I tell you that I look like Jesus, but I ain't. I oh sorry I didn't mean to say ain't do you, you there somebody's listening that knows why I just said I didn't I didn't mean to say ain't and I'm gonna keep calling myself out on that but I am not Jesus okay so I don't like you need to do your own research and when I'm wrong I need someone to tell me challenge me I want to be challenged people on my side on this side of the aisle on these issues want to be challenged they say we don't but we do. I want you to, okay? So these books, some of which are only words, they're novels, you know, all that. Some are actually nothing but comic illustrations. Many of which that are sexually graphic in nature. One is sexually graphic in an incestual nature. They involve minors with adults. They involve discussing all kinds of things. Here's what I want to say. I want to preface this with this with with something and I cannot say it clearly enough. My issues with this with these books has nothing to do with the general like LGBTQIE plus community. It has nothing to do with that. Now it does have to do with I don't ancestral Relationships, I ain't cool with that. Okay, minors with adults of a sex and having a sexual nat- relationships of sexual nature, I'm not. I'm not down with that. Individual teachers having conversations with individual students of a sexual nature, I'm not. I'm not down with that. Okay, so, but let's preface it with that. This has nothing to do with any of these children, in a sense of like that. I think they're bad, or that they're. We need to try to. Change them or anything like that. All right. I'm going to preface this with that. So we got in, we got into the, we got into the hearing. First of all, they're being the mask police and all that again. Even though we have, even though Chris Weiss wanted, he's a prominent attorney here in the state of Kentucky, but he he's argued in front of the Supreme Court. I mean, high profile cases and won a case to where they're not supposed to be allowed to require mask in these uh school board meetings and hearings anymore because of the open records act um but they still are and they were walking around like ready to throw ready to throw us out i mean it was kind of funny um but we began here <coughs> with questions and <coughs> my apologies i'm gonna run through some of the questions they talked about and uh and just kind of give you my responses so First of all, it seemed like the panelist and the def- and what we will call the defense, which was the um, executive director for Library Media Services, Lynn Reynolds, turned JCPS, seemed like they had a sleepover last night and kind of went through and talked about the questions so they would know what the, what was going to be said and all that, and then made sure that tough questions were given to Miranda and softballs and everything. But again, I, you know, they are both JCPS, so I guess that's you know I guess that's ex- expected, but. Assuming that these books are anything I'm like I'm talking about, someone said that one of the panelists asked, what are the differences between the books being challenged and, let's say, Romeo and Juliet? Because Romeo and Juliet depicts sex amongst children, the panel said, or The Scarlet Letter. Well, if we're starting to compare Shakespeare, literature with books that are literal. They're picture book. One of them is a picture comic book. I mean, it's 200 pages long or longer, but it's a comic. I guess you call them comic novels. I don't know. I don't know what you call it. But, like, if we're comparing Shakespeare to that, then we probably all need to take a step back and, like, come and, like, postpone the hearing or something and come back in 30 days. I, you know, that's my first response. Second response is, Romeo and Juliet does have, I've watched the movies. I've read, I, I didn't read the book, I'll be honest, I'm pretty, I like to read now, but when I was in school, I didn't. Don't remember Romeo and Juliet having pictures in the book, cartoon pictures of sexually graphic content, or incestual content, or anything like that in it. Okay, so that's one thing. But I think again, I just the thought of comparing Shakespearean literature to what we're trying to get out of our libraries is laughable. I mean, shows you the lengths these people want to go to. Okay. Later on, about twenty minutes into the meeting, one of the panelists asked, "I'm just, I'm just wondering." Have you all talked with any kids regarding this matter? I got a couple things I want to respond to about th- with that. First of all, no, I have not. I have four kids, or two, four, six, and eight. I have not shown any of them sexually explicit material or any other minor related or non-related to me, so that I can ask them if they think the books should be in school libraries. And if, how they feel about it. Because that's the point, I think. That, like, I don't think they're, my eight year old is mentally prepared for this stuff. Maybe. Well, that's like, you so number one, no, I, no, you got me. I ain't done that. I have not done that. Let's say that I was deranged and I was willing to, Warp my eight-year-old's brain and show him picture, uh, you know, picture novels, of which, let's say I wanted to show him a picture. One of the one of the pictures is of is, is or is is of oral sex occurring, okay? Say I was willing to do that, of which is a crime as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know. And they said, oh, yeah, I'm okay with that. And I would like to, I don't care what they say. I'm tired of this stuff about, like, kids control things and kids know what's best. No, they don't. They're freaking kids. There may be an outlier of a child out here that would actually eat, like, a healthy diet without me, like, you know, like, forcing it down their throat. Okay, pardon. It's kind of pardon the pun there. And let's, I should probably should have used a different one there. <laughs> but there may be one, two kids on the planet that would do that. Ain't, no, ain't none of my four. They'd be eating Oreos and Nutter Butters and uh, brownies and popcorn. They might, they might throw in some, like, butter noodles, maybe, every now and then. But I doubt it. So... No. I I think that was uh I don't remember if that was James Craig or our board members or who it was that asked that question, but but no, good sir, I I have not um talked about this stuff with any children. And if I had and they disagree me, I wouldn't care. I'm their I'm my kid's parent and until they're out of my household, till they're eighteen years old, it is my job to be their steward and to raise them up to be productive citizens with the values and principles that their mother and I hold dear and that I think the vast majority of this country holds dear and they can't know what they can't what they, they can't know what they don't know are we not are we only going to teach kids are we going to give them say okay here's three things you can teach today or we you can learn today you can learn about SpongeBob you can learn about Shakespeare or gender Theory I pick Spongebob. Okay, there you go. Pop it on Nickelodeon. Here's the VHS tape because Nickelodeon isn't a thing anymore. I don't think any of us are going to do that. No no sane person is going to do that. Moving on. <coughs> he added, this may have been the most asinine part of this. He added, we often say don't judge a book by its cover. What are some of the things that come to mind when you see the cover? This was asked of, of Mrs. Stovall, Miss Miranda. I don't even know if they even really gave her time to speak on it. We were all in mass, so we, it was all muffled, and none of us could hear, hear each other. But this com- this brings me back to one of my original points. They're projecting things onto us. I, I'm not judging the book by its cover, cause if I was, I wouldn't have opened it. Okay, I'm not one of these people that just because you put two political buzzwords on the front, oh, oh, it must be a great book. Those are two, those are two, dim, those are two Republican talking points. I'm going to read that. that I didn't how that, that is not how I, how I roll. They are the ones doing that. Because it has two democratic buzzwords, okay, this book specifically has two of them. Again, I don't know. I don't know if YouTube or Facebook is going to censor, so I'm not going. I'm not going to tell you the word. I'll give you. I'm going to give you the link to all this stuff in the show notes. Um, but because it has two buzzwords, it ha, then it must be it must be acceptable. Put it in. Don't just put it in the libraries. Put it on the back of the toilet so when they sit down to do number two between. Their second, and third class, they can read it. It's a, it's a comic book. It'll be like reading the Sunday comics. or Sunday comics. Great, great idea. Let's do that. No, I don't read. I don't judge books by their cover. I don't. I don't judge people by what they say to me. I judge them by their actions. And, sh- and so should all of you. So I encourage you to go look at the book. Open it. Make your own decision, okay. And I'm. We'll talk about some other here in a minute. We'll talk about some other key points. <clears throat> we moved on, okay. Moved on to uh, the questioning of the person there in the defense of the of the books. Executive Director of Library Media Services, Lynn Reynolds. Maybe she's a nice person, you know, like. I do. I do feel like a lot of times these situations, when they see, when anybody sees someone else as part of a collective, they judge them by the collective. And then, but most people are willing to judge you by your individual character and in, you know integrity and all that stuff in a one on one conversation. <clears throat> but until that happens, her and I are having to group each other by, you know, our teammates. I guess we'll call them. She compared our efforts to Hitler's burning of books. And Nazism. What's the, what's the first? This was like early on in her in her uh, defense. Anytime somebody starts throwing words around like Hitler, and Nazis, and racist, and bigot, you like any something like that happens, I just want to tell you, I want, and I hope the left hears this. The minute you say those words about someone, it's gotten to the point to where that that's a trigger for me to pay attention to what they're saying and give them a chance. Let's hear what they got to say, because they've made the word not even mean anything anymore. If everyone, if every parent that has a, that has an issue is a is a bigot or a Nazi, or a you know Hitler Hitler esque, then you know like then we're we're too far we're too far apart already. <laughs> She said that removing these books would violate the First Amendment. No one's arguing parents don't have the authority to provide these books to their children if they think they're prepared for them. Are my children? No, they absolutely are not. The, and, but also, the First Amendment does not guarantee access to any and all book and subject matter that any minor wants in a public school. It doesn't. It just doesn't. Minors are to educate children. This isn't a public library. It's a a public school library filled with children meant to educate children. Keep that in mind. She admitted obscenity is subjective. Thank you for agreeing with me. What's obscene to you isn't obscene to me. Maybe, what's obscene to me may not be obscene to you. But in that instant, in that instance, we have to err on the side of like caution because parents can. It's not doing anyone harm by having to wait to get home to talk about those issues or to see that book. Okay. It is harmful. You know, I'm also against mask, mandate, mask mandates. It is harmful for you to force children to wear masks in schools and because they can't just wait to get home to take them off because they're actually incurring a harm for eight hours while they're at school. Okay, so the flip side of that as well, if I think this, that stuff's obscene, you are harming my child by allowing it to be there. I'm not telling you I don't want there to be. I don't want the material available for those parents if they want to, you know, do what you know, do whatever. I mean, if you're showing it to a five-year-old, six-year-old, I mean, maybe it's a different conversation. I mean, you know, I don't know that. Again, culture politics should be downstream from culture. If our culture is allowing that, it's up to us to change our culture to where it's not. It's not acceptable. Okay, that's the main thing I want to. Talk about it. I don't want to ban it. I don't want to ban it. I'm not trying to ban anything. Everybody, it's subjective. Also, she also brought up her upbringing, how it was tough growing up, you know, in a black Pentecostal church, very judgmental. She couldn't find any books in her public school library that were that represented her as a, you know, as a black, as a African American child, black child. Um, that's terrible and i think we all know we all know that was that was occurring but i'm not going i'm not willing to sit here and say that i'm not willing to equate what's happening right now with what we what absolutely happened against all african americans for 100 For over a hundred years in this in this country, like it's not the same this, this isn't the same thing, and I think I, ca- I, I can't believe that even people up that are from that community are willing to are willing to equate the thing those two things No, no one's trying to deny a transgender person the right to eat at a restaurant or make them go in the back. And get it from the back, so no one, so no one sees them. No one's telling gay people to get to the back of the bus. And I'm going to go deeper into that as soon as I get through the rest of this on what the bigger issue is here. here but here's all thing: just because someone's life is tough, doesn't mean we should subject everyone else to harm, to hurtful things. Okay, I don't think any I don't think anyone who was a slave was a slave two hundred years ago would wish that on their worst enemy. I lost my father to an opioid overdose when I was ten years old. I saw the ambulance in front of my grand in front of my granny's house, real, real small town, thousand people in it, like but I could probably throw a baseball and it would roll from one side of town to the other. and That was the whole town. Saw the ambulance. Soon it was my granny died of like lung cancer or something. She was a chain smoker smoking in Paw Malls. Get inside the school. Such a small town. The principal comes over to the intercom and says, Mr. Uh, John Ross Cox, ain't you come to the, to the principal's office? I already knew what it was. My little 10 year old mind was already like, oh crap. It's so my dad. I remember going home. I remember sitting in front of the closet door with the big with the mirror on it, crying. You know, I think I, I won't say think. I know this would happen. I was literally sitting there crying on the floor in front of the mirror, listening to Tony Braxton. I don't want any other child to have to like go through that. Already having a dad that wasn't that never had any interest in you, never on the same roof as as, as I was. And now, all of a sudden, as a 10-year-old, I have to face the fact that I'm never going to know, I'm never going to hear anything out of his mouth positive about me, or that he's sorry, any of that stuff. I don't wish that on any kids, okay? I don't wish for them to witness alcohol abuse, drug abuse, suicide, like, murder inside your family. Yeah, I've had that, okay? When I talk about how trashy I am, listen, I'm actually, I'm proud of it, but here's one thing I want to make clear. All the bad stuff that's happened to me in my life, and it's happened to people from all across Appalachia, all across the the black community, those of us that have made it out of those circumstances, made it out in spite of those things happening, not because of them. I am who I am because of them, and I wouldn't change any of it. But they're not the reason I am where I am today. I've married a beautiful, strong supportive woman in spite of those things happening I try to be a great a good father definitely don't don't make it to the great father part in spite of those things happening okay so like I don't just because that happened to me does I don't think it seemed like she was trying to say well these some of these kids are struggling so we should put things in front of these other kids because they're hurting they should be exposed to it I mean it just it seemed it was terrible she stated that it was It complied with Common Core because of the analysis of complex characters. said 70% of the books appealed were LGBTQ-related. There was more challenges in the last year or something like that than the last two decades combined. Okay, well, that also corresponds with the growing acceptance of the LGBTQ um, community, the lifestyle. So I'm not making any assumptions. But there are there are plenty of assumptions to make in connecting those dots. Why are these books being written? Why do they feel the need to write books geared towards young children, even, even if they're not, even even seven eight years old, even if they're thirteen? You don't know what that thirteen year old's going through. Why do they why do they feel the need for that? Person said that the suicides are occurring, and this goes back to one of my other, where one of the teachers was saying that kids were killing themselves because parents weren't accepting. This person basically reiterated that that sentiment. Said there, these suicides are a lot of them are occurring because they can't find themselves. Says, I mean, says, says who? Says what data? Says what information? Like, can't find themselves. What does that even mean? You know, show me some like going back to the uh book challenges, show me some books. Okay, with pictures of you know, with cartoon pictures of little girls performing sex acts on grown men or books with pictures of men and women of age having sex where pen, or I can't I don't know if I can say that word. we you're seeing what's happening. Okay, you're seeing the or the, the organs interacting with the other organs. Show me those. And I want them out too. Okay? I want them out too. And she went in, and then she discussed racism. And how, you know, she didn't ever, I mean, she just said, the, it was almost like she said like, yada yada these books, Common Core, racism, and LGBTQ. That's all me, that, that if I could put into words, what this, if I, I had to paraphrase it's what it would be. She brought up how there was no books about African Americans in her in her public in her public library. Okay? I'll grant you that. I'm not talking about public libraries. I'm talking about public school libraries. Public schools full of minors, meant for minors. She's had all the awards, the books had had one I got a specific note on my on my piece of paper here. Like this says "bahaha," laughing. And make sure I want to make sure to laugh here. I'm laughing right now. You know, because our institutions, they they haven't been overcome by the woke left. So those they, I mean, those awards, man, those those mean something. You know, those 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 awards are important. And here's the big here's the big admission. She admitted these challenges were not regarding approved curriculum materials. Bingo, that is my primary point. And this is the main thing I want people to take away from this podcast when it comes to this issue. There is a difference in books sitting on a shelf in a library meant for K through 5, okay, or 6 through 8, that anyone can go in and see unsupervised. Read the book, put it back on the shelf, walk away, not understand what they what has happened, not understand why they have a weird feeling in their gut. Maybe not have any feeling yet, but then something's going to happen, you know, later on, that they're going to connect it with that, and you know, all of a sudden now they're connecting dots that their parents don't even know they're connecting to help them connect them. Okay, there's a difference in that. Then there is approved curriculum that's been in front of, you know, and there's a process, you know, SPDMs, superintendents, principals, whatever, where everyone, where everyone knows, and it's been provided to parents, whether it be on a website or through the syllabus or whatever, and it's going to be part of what's being taught. You can decide to come or not, decide to read it or not. There is a difference in that in books being sit sitting on shelves and us and us as parents as a society to not know what issues we need to be looking out for amongst our youth. And so there's two those two different things. So that's the main that's my main point. My other main point here. I the only conclusion I could come from after listening to these people talk is that they see You know, Any LGBTQ child, okay, has nothing more than someone that lives, sleeps, dreams, breathes, and eats sex. That's the only thing that defines them. That's what, I mean, there's no other way to come up with anything else. That's what they think. And because I don't want any young child being exposed to something until they're ready and their parents decide that they're ready. Or they've already agreed to, you know, we're gonna send our kid to school this day, they're doing sex ed. You know, again, that's a whole other topic. I'm not trying to get into that. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about something separate from approved curriculum. Okay. Because I don't want that occurring. I'm I am I I don't like those little kids because of because of that. Part of them, that's that's bull, and you know it. A kid is a kid is a kid. A gay kid, straight kid, trans kid, all like I see them as a child. I'm a 35 year old man. I don't look at that. I don't look at them in a sexual nature. I care about their I care about their character, care about their access to education. I care about them getting a the warm food getting warm food for dinner, having a bed to sleep in. I care that they treat other people with respect, and I care that my kids treat them with respect. I don't think the 12-year-old girl that is gay is just sitting around thinking all day about being gay. Okay, but take it from someone. I'm going to talk about radical transparency in this show. Take it from someone who is sexually active at a very young age. An, an absolutely disgusting age and it's going it happened it's, it is they are right it's happening all over the place and it's awful again I'm here not because of that I'm here in spite of it I was not ready for it and I I can see that now and I see now how I still deal with the the issues it brought me as a as a grown man how I'm how I struggle from certain things like that happening in my life so they are Again, they think all those kids are are the sex that they will have throughout their lifetimes. I see them as the people they will be. The spouses they'll be, the sisters, the friends, the taxpayers, the community leaders, the business owners. I see them as that. They're projecting it onto us what their own bigotry is. Not mine. So, I gotta get out of here. I got some, I got football parties coming up. I just want to get the show in. I I, I didn't want to let it. I didn't want to let it fester. I needed to get it out there. But after after this hearing today, it's um, it's abundantly clear to me. That what this, what this survey found here. So after the hearing today, after the conversations with teachers I've had over the last week, conversations with other community members, it's clear to me that it's right. They are correct in their findings. The project, the the, the progressive politics, is what is ruining. S- something that teachers have been in the trenches building for 40 years. The trust and the encouragement and the hero status that these teachers have, they, that they have built over 40 years. Okay? It is like, it's being destroyed. Not by us. Not by parents. Not by Many parents that are are in the groups that I go to that have spouses in the system, legislators that have spouses in the system. They're pitting us against each other because they are the enemy. They're doing it. They're sowing the seeds. And we cannot let them reap the harvest. We cannot. We can't do it. Teachers are leaving because of disciplinary issues and progressive politics. Parents are mad. Because we don't think our kids are safe, and they won't discipline the kids, and because of progressive politics. We are on the same team, people. Teachers, educators, we're on the same team. Help me help you. I I know you're not, that the vast majority of you, great people, you're not activists. Okay, that's why most of you aren't willing to take a stand and scream from the rooftops that masks are bad, or that... You don't want to teach this and that. If I say I don't want activist teachers, I can't, you know, I can't hope that you become an activist. I want people to be teachers that, that want that already want to be teachers, people that want to be in the trenches on the day to day grind, raising our children and helping us. Helping us steward the next generation and instill the values that we want our children to have in our community. We are in agreement with that. Do not let the Randy Wine Gardens of the world or the local school board members that are getting their races paid for by the Randy Wine Gardens of the world—they'll spend two hundred thousand dollars on every single of the four races in Jefferson County School Board this 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 coming term. Two hundred thousand dollars. So of course they're going to they're going to spew their like the vitriol they're putting out. They're about to give them a, they're about to come a 200,000 dollar check each, each individual one of them. Four times what you make as a teacher every year. They're going to in in a one six month election cycle here, they're going to give each of those school board candidates four times that. To promote things you don't agree with the vast majority of you and that you know your community doesn't agree with or the parents. And that you know isn't good for children. So, that's what this episode's been about. Let's hey, let's bridge this gap and let's let let's turn let's let's flip the script on them. Let's show them we're not dumb. That we can we can put two and two together. Let's show them that we all love our kids. And this country has came a long way. We still ain't perfect. Still got a lot of things to improve. But we've came a long stinking way. Let's show them that. All right. Again, this is a way too much JRMC. Appreciate all y'all listening. I'd love to hear all the feedback possible. Negative, positive. Uh. Apathetic. Tell me I'm ugly. Just give me something. I need. I need something. So. Love all you guys. Until next time. Thanks for listening with you much, Jeremy